Hey, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for checking out our sermons online. I want to let you know whether this is your first time watching one of our sermons or you're just reviewing a sermon that you've heard here on the campus. I will welcome you, but I do want to let you know we have a core value at Coastal Community Church, and that core value is that you find a local church to be a part of. And so uh, if this, hopefully this sermon series or this sermon is supplementing your spiritual growth, but I want to encourage you to find a, a local church. If you live in the Yorktown, Virginia area, we would love for you to visit us. We have three services, uh, 8 o'clock, 9, 30, and 11, and we meet at 101 Village Avenue. Thank you so much for checking out this sermon online. I hope it encourages your walk and your journey with Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, open with me to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. We're continuing on in the series called The Seeds of Faith. We're looking at the life of Abram, or Abraham, and this morning we're talking about fear to faith to forever. And I want to start off this morning by saying everything this week went wrong for me. Um, our refrigerator broke. Um, we still have a house we're upside down on in uh, Florida. The air we have renters there, and the air conditioner broke there, and... Um, I had two, I had two 12-page papers due this week um, for my classes, and I'm trying to think, there was like, every day there was like something, and my wife and, my wife looked at me, we were at the top of the stairs, and I got home, and she goes, what's wrong? Have we tithed? What's going on? Is God mad at us? And then she looked at me, and then she stopped for a second, and she looked, and she said, you're preaching this weekend, aren't you? And I said, yes, and she said, makes sense, walked away was it because let me share something with you spiritual we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and against the dark rules of the earth Ephesians chapter 6 it is not by happenstance that you're here this morning it is God's sovereign divine will that you are here oh this morning my power went out so my alarm didn't go off and there's like 800 homes in Pocosin that don't have power mine is one of them so I'm racing here. It's not by happenstance. God has you here because I believe that he wants to do something in your life this morning. I believe he wants to speak to your heart through his word. I believe that God has you here for this message. And if you are open and willing and receptive to the things that God wants to do in your life, I believe that God will change you and transform you. Are you ready? Buckle up, because here we go. Genesis chapter 15, it's God's covenant with Abram. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have, not, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. You imagine he starts counting when did he say this next part then he said to him so your offspring shall be 
And he believed the Lord, and he accounted it to him as righteousness. Underline verse 6, because we're going to spend a lot of time there today. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know what I shall possess, uh, that I shall possess it? And he said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against each other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoke fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Camdenites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gershites, and the Jebusites, and the Parasites. I made that last one up myself. <laughs> Let's pray. Precious Father, thank you for your word. It is truth. And we can live our lives by it. And so this morning, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would, God, humble us. God, focus us and help us to receive what you have for us this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, for you know that I am so undeserving to be up here. And it is only by your Son, Jesus Christ, that I'm here. And God, thank you for everything that you've done and everything you're going to do. And as always, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in my sight, your sight. Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. After God had helped Abram lead his men in battle to free his captured nephew Lot, if you were here last week, you heard this message, to victory over to Kedalarium, his tithe to Melchizedek, and then he returned all the stolen possessions to Sodom and Gomorrah because he didn't want them to say that they had made him rich because he wanted all glory to go to the Lord. After all of this, after this battle, after giving away the first of his fruits to Melchizedek, who was a form of Christ that you read about in Hebrews, after all of these things happened, Abram is afraid. How do I know that? Look at verse 15, verse 1, chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, fear not. It's interesting, when we walk out on faith and do what God has called us to do, 
what happens is we go, wow, look what's happened. I'm being obedient. And in the beginning, it's really fun and it's really exciting. And then all of a sudden, you realize that there was a battle, there's some things going on, and you feel exposed. And you feel isolated and you feel alone when you're walking by faith. And people are looking and going, what are you doing, man? What are you doing, woman? What are you doing? And what happens at that moment is that fear comes in and starts to grip you. And you may be just starting your faith journey. And all of a sudden you're trying to live for the Lord. And all of a sudden fear comes in. And you feel like, I'm not going to get a job, I'm not going to be able to do this, and I'm not going to... And all of a sudden, you go, God, I thought I want, you wanted me to do this. Why in the world is all this bad stuff happening? God, I thought you called me to this place. Why am I going to battle? God, I thought you called me to this place. Why do I feel so isolated and alone? Abraham, Abram was afraid, and God gave him what? God gave him his word. God gave him his word. And the Lord came to Abram in a vision, fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. And then a little bit later it says, and the word of the Lord came to Abram. It's interesting, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our fear, see, we live in a society that is motivated by fear. Everything is fear. Fear, 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 fear. Watch any political campaign ad, and their goal is to give fear to make you afraid of the other candidate, so you vote for this candidate. Fear, 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 fear. If you watch the news, it's about fear, or trying to make somebody emotional and cry or upset, or, I mean, it's fear. It's the driving force. And Abraham was afraid. He was in the middle of this new land. He had left the confines of Ur where there was a nice wall and in a great city. And he goes into the middle of nowhere. And he, all these things happen. God is with him, but at the same time he feels isolated. And all of a sudden he is afraid. And you may be here this morning and you might be in the same boat. You're on your faith journey and you've been walking with the Lord and all of these things are happening and fear is set in and you're thinking, maybe this isn't real. Maybe God's not really who he says he is. I want to encourage you this morning with God's word. What does the Lord say to Abram? It's for us this morning as well. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. God gave Abram his word of protection. I'm your shield. In the New Living Translation, it says, I will protect you. God gave Abram his word of protection. Our word of protection, Hebrews 3, 5, 13, 5. Everybody hold up your hand like this. I'm going to teach you a verse. I teach it to my kids. When they feel alone, when they feel isolated, they make a fist, hand like this, and then I said, okay, now make a fist. You ready? I'm going to teach it to you. I will never leave you. And then you take the thumb and you point it to you. All right, let's do it again. We're going to say it together. You didn't think you were going to do this. 
I will never leave you. Hebrews 13, 5, the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that exciting? That's our promise of protection, that he is going to be with us. 2 Timothy 4.18 says this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That God is going to be with us. He's never going to leave us. And he's going to be with us into eternal life. Protection, I think, is something that we always think of us being wealthy and insulating ourselves and thinking that we can do all of these things. No, the protection that God promises is an eternal protection. It's something that, who? listen, man can kill the body, but no one can touch my soul. It belongs to Christ. It's this eternal protection protection that no matter what happens in this world, no matter how bad it gets, no matter who does what to whom, I am protected because God is God, my soul. It's an eternal life that God has promised and protected. And he gave the same to Abram. I will protect you. It was a physical protection, but it was way more than that. It was a spiritual protection. And when you are doing what God has called you to do by faith, he will protect you. You will, there's no safer place than being at the center of what God wants for you. To go where he wants you to go and do what he wants you to do. It may feel very lonely and it may feel very isolated and it may feel awkward, but let me tell you something, you'll never be safer. I have missionary friends, I have a missionary friend, he's in a, he's in a city of a million people in northern India. It's predominantly dominated by the Muslims. There's no Christian churches there and he's trying to establish a Christian church. He gets death threats for him and his family all the time. And I said, doesn't this worry you? I, I email. He used to be in my youth group. He was one of my kids in my youth group. And I said, doesn't this worry you? He said, there's no safer, no safer place for me and my family than doing what God's called us to do. That's faith. Secondly, God gave Abram his word of provision. His word of provision. Fear not, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Why? Because Abraham was walking by faith, not by sight. He was living according to what God was doing in his life and what God wanted him to do. Your reward will be very great. Philippians 4.19 says this. It says, and my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus Turn in your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read this to you. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking to his followers. And in Matthew 6, 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And you're supposed to say yes. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Our provision is one that God has a provision for us, that he will provide for us, he will take care of us. David said in Psalms, he says, I am old, but I was once young, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children beg bread. When you are living by faith and doing what God has called you to do, as Abraham was, you fall under the protection of the Lord, the provision of the Lord. And finally, God gave Abram his word of promise. Abraham said, I don't have a son. I don't have an heir. And God said, you will have a son of your own to inherit. 1 John 2.25 says, and this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Do you know that the promise of God, the word of God, the promise is eternal life? That we are secure, we can be secure, and we can walk securely because God has given us eternal life. In hope of eternal life, which God promised who cannot lie before the world began. In Titus 1-2, God can't lie Therefore, when he gives us eternal life, that promise, it's there, it's ours, it's forever. It seals us into the day of redemption, Romans 8. That our promise is that God has a promise for us, and it is that of an eternal inheritance. That we, as children, if we've believed and received the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again the third day, and we've received that by faith, that we can walk out tonight and look at the stars and the heavens, and we can say, all of it is ours. It's mine. I'm a co-heir to the kingdom of God. That's what Romans 8 tells me. God gave Abram his word of promise that you are a child of Abraham, and you are a co-heir to the kingdom of God if you have received and believed Jesus Christ. So what happened? It's interesting when you're doing what God called you to do, no matter where you are, God will protect you and God will provide for you and God will give you his promises. He gave us his promises. They're here in this word. The problem is most of us don't read it every day. So therefore, we don't know the promises that God has for us. So how can we walk by faith? Well, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So here's the deal. Pull out a little Bible app and listen to it. Pop a little CD in your car if you still have CDs or plug your phone in and listen to the word of God or read the word of God out loud. Let your faith increase. Faith is not even our own. It comes from the word. It's our response to God's word. And so here's the second thing that Abram did. In verse 6, what does it say? And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham reacted to God's word with action. And this is faith. See, Faith is not me generating something to believe in God. It's God doing the work and me responding to God's work. It, let me make it really clear. It's Christ died on the cross for my sins, and my response is that I submit myself to Christ and say, Jesus, I need you to save me. That's the response. 
God gives me the faith, God did the work, and all I'm doing is responding to what he's already done. It's my reaction to God's action. Pastor Sean talked about that a couple weeks ago. See, Abraham was justified by faith. Romans, turn in your Bible over to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And then shall we say, what shall we say? What then shall we say was gained by Abraham? Our forefather, according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Verse 5, and to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Abraham was justified by his faith, not by his works. We are justified by faith, not by works. God gives us the faith to believe in him. This is what's so amazing. That's what's so amazing about justification. Justification is this idea that the righteousness of God covers us. Every sin, past, present, and future. That Abraham was justified. That means God covered him. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Look at the story of Adam and Eve and the fall of Adam and Eve. So what's the story? So Adam and Eve are like in the garden and the serpent like talks to Eve and then Eve and the serpent have this conversation and then Eve takes the fruit and eats it and Adam's kind of standing there watching Eve eat it. doesn't happen and she hands it to Adam. Adam eats it and all of a sudden they realize we've sinned. We're naked. What do they do? They jump into the bushes and they start covering themselves up with fig leaves. And it's insufficient. And God is walking through the garden and they're hiding. And God know where they were? Yes. It's like my son. He's three. He plays hide and seek. And sometimes he gets really excited. And sometimes he just stands in the middle of the room and goes like this. And he starts laughing. <laughs> and then I play along with him. Where's Stone? If this is Stone. Where's Stone? Where is he? <laughs> and then he goes, here I am. God walking through the garden. Where are you, Adam and Eve? He knew where they were. Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? Yeah. We're naked. Yeah. What did God do? It's interesting, this is often left out, and this is the first allusion to justification and the righteousness of Christ covering us. What does God do? God takes an animal and kills it. Then he skins the animal. 
and he puts the skin over Adam and Eve. You can read about it in Genesis 3. And he covers them. The problem is, it wasn't a sufficient covering once and for all. It was just in that moment God covered him for their sin so that he could still interact with them. God does the same thing with Abram with the animal sacrifices. God comes to Abram and says, Abraham, look at verse number three. Look at number three. Abram still doubts or doubted, but God made a blood covenant with Abram through a sacrifice that he, he even had to protect. I'll get into that in a second. So Adam and Eve then are covered in these animal skins because their attempt at covering themselves was totally and completely insufficient. It is insufficient for us to think that we can pay for our own sin. Our payment for sin, based upon the good works that you think you can do or the things that you think that you can offer to God that he doesn't have already, does not cover us. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need to be covered, and it can't be us covering ourselves. It has to be a supernatural covering, one sufficient for all, for our sins from past, present, and future. And we cannot do that. If you've ever come to the We Are Coastal class, I share this story. My son, he wanted to buy himself one of those fruit-striped gums. We went to Walmart, and he loaded up his pocket full of change. And he takes the fruit strike gums, and he sticks it on the conveyor belt. And he's so proud of himself that he's actually going to buy something. It's the first time ever he's bought something. She drops it in the bag. It's like $1.85 or something. My son pulls out all his change. She sticks it on the conveyor belt. He, she starts counting it. It's a bunch of pennies and stuff. She's like, 87 cents. And she kind of like looks up like this. Looks down at my son like, you're short, buddy. And then she looks at me. And I stand behind him and I go, I got it covered. And I pull in my pocket and I make up the difference. And I give him, give her the money that she needs so that he can have his fruit-striped gums. Eternal life is far better than any fruit-striped gums. And let me tell you something, when Jesus, when Jesus looks to the, to the enemy, the accuser of our soul, the devil himself, and he looks and he says, they're short. They don't have enough. Their works aren't good enough, and it's the very thing that they're going to send them to hell. Jesus looks at the Father and says, I got him covered. I died on the cross for their sins. I rose again from the grave to prove it. And they've received and believed me by faith. I've got them covered. And listen, let me share something with you, Christian. If you have believed and received Jesus Christ, you're covered. For every past sin you've ever done, every present sin, every future sin, if you never received Jesus Christ, let me share something with you. Why not? Jesus Christ has died on the cross. He's paid the price. He's got you covered. All you have to do is respond with faith and believe and receive. God's done the action. Now it's time for you to react. It's why you're here this morning. God brought you here because he wanted you to hear this message, the message of Jesus Christ that saves. 
And he made a blood covenant with Abram. They brought out all these animals and the three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old goat. I was reading a commentary, three years old, all kinds of different things. It's God's number, it's all this stuff. But they said maybe it's for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They believed it was Trinitarian. I thought that was the best response to why it was three years old. But he cuts them in half. Think about the bloodiness of this. The blood is spilled out. It's a blood covenant. And God puts them on both sides. And he makes this covenant. And he walks through the middle to demonstrate, I'm making this blood covenant with you, Abram. He's already made the blood covenant with us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, whose body was broken, his blood was spilt. And he looks and says, I'm making a blood covenant with you, church. So that every sin, past, present, and future has been paid for. This, this sacrifice was insufficient. The sacrifice of Christ is all sufficient. So that you can be saved and I can be saved. And he makes this, it was interesting, so, so they, they, he puts it out, the coals and the smoke and the blood. What happens? These birds of prey start flying over. Have you ever been and seen when we were with Jimmy and I and some other of us? We went to Africa and we were we were there and we were on this photo safari and then there was like all these birds flying over and we were in these trucks and they were like oh and the, all they all the trucks go over to where the birds are. Why? Because there's a dead animal and a dead animal meant there might have been a kill and you could just hear National Geographic the mighty cheetah goes and kills the impala. And look at the cubs eating now. You know, and we're all there. We're watching, and all the birds are flying over, and they're trying to come in to get some. And the cheetah's there, and the cheetah pulls it underneath a tree so that the birds can't get to it and have direct access to it. Think about this Abraham makes the sacrifice, the birds of prayer are coming, and the Bible says that he's even fighting them away. So the sacrifice is made, the covenant is there, and what happens? Annoying little birds. You got those annoying little birds in your life? As you're following Christ, you just start to follow Christ, and all of a sudden, all of the bad stuff starts, and you've got, you feel like you've got to like, what, the, what in the world? He protects had to protect the sacrifice. See, God has made a blood covenant with us. His name is Jesus Christ. And we need to believe and receive Jesus Christ. Number four is this. Abram received the covenant that God made with Abram for himself and his children. Now, let me share something with you. When Abram received the covenant that God had made for Abram, It was Abraham's promise, but his children received the benefits of their father, their grandfather, their great-grandfather. The Bible talks about this in Deuteronomy. It says that your children and your grandchildren, you can read Psalm 103, you can read Deuteronomy chapter 6, will receive the blessings of their parents. Now, it doesn't mean that your children are saved, and it doesn't mean your grandchildren are saved because of you. 
It just means that there's a blessing that's promised to the godly, to those that fear the Lord. Why? Because when God makes a covenant, and Psalm 89 says this, I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. When God makes a covenant, he doesn't lie. He doesn't change it. He doesn't change the deal. The covenant is made and it's guaranteed. It's a binding contract. A covenant is a contract or a binding agreement with the guarantee. Well, what was the guarantee? The guarantee was the fact that Christ died on the cross, but the guarantee was that Jesus rose from the dead knowing that the covenant was sufficient. If you rise from the dead, I'll consider your covenant as well as an eternal one. Jesus rose from the dead. So what happened? Look at the scripture. God made a covenant. It, it was interesting because Abraham still doubted. If you go back to number three, Abraham still doubted. But then Abraham received. So Abraham still doubted. So the sun went down and a deep sleep fell and darkness all around him. He makes this commitment by faith. And what happens? Some of you, I believe that God wants to save you this morning. And as soon as you make this commitment, your next week's going to be really, really difficult. Because that's what happens. Or maybe you're here and you've been saved for a long time and maybe you're doubting. Maybe you've received the grace and the mercy of God and you're doubting. Let me share something with you. And if I ask for a show of hands, let's do it. How many of you guys have ever doubted your salvation in the process or doubted that you've been saved? Raise your hand. Look at it. You know what? You're a great company. You know why? Because Abram doubted. He doubted. He was afraid and he doubted. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet, ever to walk the face of the earth? Did you know that he doubted? The Bible says that he's in prison, and while he's in prison, he sends a contingency of men to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? Okay, now, when he was a baby in his mother's ambionic fluid in the womb, Mary comes with Jesus in her belly, and he jumps and Elizabeth goes, woo! It's like the Pillsbury Doughboy, woo! My baby jumped. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. He baptized Jesus. The Spirit of God descends like a dove. He hears the voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. If anybody had reason not to doubt, it would be John the Baptist. But at the end of his life, his faith was wondering, I'm in prison and I'm about to be beheaded. Are you the one, Jesus, or should we look for another? What did Jesus do? He gave him his word. He quotes a verse out of Isaiah. You go tell him that the lame walk and the blind see. You go tell him that. It's the last we hear of John the Baptist. Why? Because when we doubt, God gives us his word. He made the blood covenant in his son, Jesus Christ, and if you're doubting, if you're struggling, if you've received, if you're praying, God wants to make a covenant with you this morning. So God owned everything, made this covenant, and he gave him all this land, 
If you're here today and think God doesn't have a plan for Israel based upon your eschatology, some say yes, some say no. I say yes, otherwise Israel still wouldn't be a nation. So when they argue about land and who gets what, I'm like, man, I just read this, that God gave Abraham all that. I think that all belongs to them, but you can take that up with God in heaven. God owned everything, provided everything, and secured everything to Abram. Abram just said yes. Yes. God, didn't, God gave him the land. God gave him the faith. God gave him the ability to believe in him. God gave him his protection, his provision, his promises. And all Abram had to do was yes. And let me share something with you this morning. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ in your life, all you have to say is yes to Jesus. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose again the third day. And he will save you if you say yes. But you don't understand, Pastor Andrew, what I've done. God can't forgive me. God can't forgive me for this. God can't forgive me for this. God can't forgive me for this. No, you might have a hard time forgiving yourself, but let me share something with you. Jesus forgave you when he hung on the cross and he spilt his blood for you. And God is looking and saying, I made a blood covenant with my son, Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is believe and receive and I will change you. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. He changes everything. It's why you're here this morning. It's not by accident. It's why my alarm didn't go off this morning, but my son came in the room and woke me up jumping on the bed. For this moment, for you to say yes to Jesus, saying, God, forgive me for my sins, every sin that I've ever committed, past, present, and future. Please forgive me for my sins. Come into my life and save me. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Christ will come into your life and save you. You'll be changed. It'll all make sense. Now, in a few moments, I'm gonna have the worship team come up. I don't know where they are. They're probably in the back partying or something. Um, the... In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray to receive Christ. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's you in your heart to the Lord saying, yes, I receive the salvation. It's you getting up and saying, yes, come into my life, Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're saved and you're doubting and maybe you need to go and say, you know what, it's time for me to say yes again. I need to go, yes, Lord Jesus, I've doubted. Usually we doubt because of the sin in our life, but I've doubted. And I say yes to you once again. And you invite Jesus Christ into your life and you say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the grave. And the best I know how and by faith I receive you into my life. God's given you the faith. It's time for you to react and respond to that faith. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.
If you've never received Jesus Christ, Christians be praying. If you've never received Jesus Christ, today's the day of salvation. Before the Lord right now, simply call out to the Lord and say, God, in your heart right now to God, say, God, please forgive me for my sins. I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. And by faith, I receive you into my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. Precious Father, I pray for those that have prayed that prayer for the first time. I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, you would seal that decision by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give them the courage to stand up and tell somebody today, that you would give them the courage to, to stand up when we sing, to walk to the prayer chapel and tell somebody, or to walk up to the front and to let somebody know. I pray, Lord God, that you would give them that courage, Lord God, that their lives would be changed forever, starting today, starting in this moment, Lord God, that their lives would be changed forever because of what you've done, Lord God, in their life. Thank you for dying on the cross for their sins. Thank you for rising from the dead. Lord, I pray for those that are doubting, Lord God, I pray that you would come and you would reveal yourself to them and you would encourage them and you would strengthen them and you would give them your word, Lord God, and they would read your word and they would know that we don't have to doubt, but we can believe. Lord God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.